Yo, this is Axel Rose of Guns N' Roses. Hey, this is Carmen Electra. Hi, this is Daryl Strawberry. What up, though? This is Big Snoop Deal Double G. Hi, this is Don Stallard. Hey, yo, Hulk Hogan here. What's up? This is Beyonce. I got a great show lined up for y'all. Hey, yo, yo, yo. Let's get this party started. The Sports Beat. You know what? Let's keep it hot. The Sports Beat is off the chain, man. Ah, yeah. The Sports Beat. Download the podcast now. You're listening to The Sports Beat with Richard Holdridge. All right, let's get this show started. Welcome again to The Sports Beat, and I'm your host, Richard Holdridge. Happy to be back on this Tuesday morning. Got a great show for you. Wasn't that fun last night? I'm going to get into the baseball playoffs. It is Jocktober. As Jock Peterson gets a three-run pinch hit home run, and the Atlanta Braves are one game away from returning to the NLCS. We had a crazy Monday night football game as the Baltimore Ravens came back from a 22-3 deficit to defeat the Indianapolis Colts. And John Gruden resigns as the Raiders NFL head coach. Will he ever coach again at the NFL level or even at college? The good thing about me having an invested interest in both the Braves and the Giants, I grew up a lifelong Giants fan. I moved to Atlanta in 2006, so I root for the Giants and I root for the Braves as the local team in Georgia. And folks, I'm here to tell you that the Giants and the Braves playing in the NLCS is a reality. This could happen. This would be the second time since I've been in Georgia that a team from San Francisco plays a team from Atlanta in a championship series. But let's not get too ahead of ourselves. We had some baseball all day yesterday. It was supposed to be a quadruple header. The White Sox-Astros game got rained out. It will play today at 2. But the first game was at 1 between the Atlanta Braves and the Milwaukee Brewers. It was nice to see fans back at the ballpark at Truett's Park. It was a sellout crowd of 42,000. And it was a pitching duel between Ian Anderson and Freddie Peralta. These pitching duels, one mistake could be costly. You're on pins and needles. But in the fifth inning, the Atlanta Braves broke it open with Jock Peterson coming to the plate with two men on. Hits a pinch hit three-run homer, and the rest is history. The Braves are able to mow down the Brewers' hitters and win the game with their stellar bullpen. The Brewers' woes continue. 0 for 16 with runners in scoring position. But the Braves had their mistakes too. The base running blunder by Adam Duvall was costly because every run counts. We're not thinking about that anymore because of the Jock Peterson home run. I'm here to tell you, Jock Peterson is real. Jocktober, going to buy pearls. He is a fan favorite. And the Braves will try to close out this series today at 5 o'clock at Truett's Park. We don't know who the Game 4 starters are going to be. Typically, when you get into a best of five, you can go back to your game one starter on three days rest. I don't know if the Braves are going to do that. I've heard rumors that Corbin Burns is going to come in and be the starter for three for the Brewers on three days rest because the Brewers are trying to salvage this series and get back to Milwaukee. From what I've seen so far, these three games, the Braves pitching has been dominant with Charlie Morton, Max Fried, and Ian Anderson. They're both three are very solid starters. The Brewers have three solid starters as well with Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, and Freddie Peralta. 
Peralta was just nasty with his slider, and the Braves did not have an answer for it. There was a turning point in Game 3. In the top of the fifth inning, Ian Anderson got into a little bit of trouble. There was runners on second and third with no outs. And Dansby Swanson was playing deep, and he was able to grab the diving ball and throw it to first. And then the pinch hitter hit a hard ground ball to Austin Riley, and he was able to get the out at home plate. That was huge because the Braves got out of the jam. And then the following, then in the bottom of the fifth, that's when Jock Peterson hit the home run. I'm happy with what the Braves are doing, but let's not get ahead of ourselves. I know that awaiting the Braves, if they're able to advance past the Milwaukee Brewers, are either the Los Angeles Dodgers or the San Francisco Giants. If it is the Dodgers, the Braves have home field advantage for the NLCS because they won their division and the Dodgers are the wildcard team. I know if you want to be the best, you have to beat the best. And the Dodgers are the defending World Series champs. But last night, that game between the Los Angeles Dodgers and the San Francisco Giants, which I stayed up till 1 o'clock in the morning to watch, that was very intense. Every pitch counted. And on a windy night at Dodger Stadium, when most of the fly balls are left to die at the warning track, the Giants are able to get the one nothing victory and... Max Scherzer threw one mistake to Evan Longoria in that fifth inning. And the Giants, that was enough. And the Dodgers hit the ball very well. The Giants' defense was right there. There was a play where Mookie Betts was at the plate, and there was two men on. And Brandon Crawford with a diving catch at shortstop to save two runs. That would have been a two-run RBI, and the Dodgers would have taken the lead. But how about the performance of the bullpen Alex Wood could not get out of the fourth inning. Manager Gabe Kapler went to the bullpen early and went to Tyler Rogers, Jake McGee, and then the stellar closer, the 23-year-old Corel Duvall. Amazing. A six-out save. I was on pins and needles. I was watching this game all the way to the end. Gavin Lux comes up in the bottom of the ninth inning, and I thought this ball was gone. I thought it was going to be tied 1-1. The wind at Dodger Stadium allowed this ball to stay in the ballpark, and the Giants are able to beat Max Scherzer. Remember, this is the big pitcher the Dodgers got. Dodgers are at a win-all mentality. They got the trade, the big trade getting Max Scherzer and Trey Turner, the batting champ. The Dodgers have a payroll of $193 million, and now they're facing elimination against their longtime hated rival. I'm sorry if I'm going to be biased. I'm a Giants fan. I hate the Dodgers. I was so happy that they won that game last night. It could have went either way. The Dodgers are clearly the more feared team. They have all the stars. And they really have the unsung heroes. Guys like Will Smith, A.J. Pollock, guys that aren't making a whole lot of money on the team. But every hitter in that lineup I feared was going to hit a home run. Justin Turner, he's done it 13 times in the postseason. Even Albert Pujols was starting at first base, and he was brought into the game, and he had two hits. It's not over by long shot. The Dodgers still have one game in Dodger Stadium for Game 4. Not sure who the starters are going to be. Is it going to be Tony Gonsolin for the Dodgers, or are they going to send Walker Buehler back on the mound on three days rest? The Giants have some options. DeScaffolini is probably going to pitch so they can allow Logan Webb 
to have his full days of rest for Game 5 if it comes down to it. Because I have a lot of confidence that Logan Webb can get the victory in Game 5. I feel the Giants can beat the Dodgers and make it to the NLCS. Now, as a Giants fan and as a casual Braves fan, I would love to see the Giants and the Braves in the NLCS. But if you're a Braves fan, would home field advantage be more important? Do you want to try to beat the Dodgers, the same team you had a 3-1 series lead against last season. This is really compelling baseball, and I cannot wait. Congratulations, by the way, to the Boston Red Sox. They beat the Tampa Bay Rays as Kiki Hernandez got a walk-off single. And the Boston Red Sox are back in the ALCS. It seems like just about every year since 2004, the Boston Red Sox have been in the ALCS. They know what they're doing. They are just a talented team. And it doesn't matter who their manager is. It could be Terry Francona, but now Alex Cora, their manager. And they are playing lights out. They knocked off the best team in the American League. They had 100 wins. The Tampa Bay Rays are ousted in the playoffs. Now, today at 2, we have a rain out, a makeup game. The Houston Astros have a 2-1 series lead over the Chicago White Sox. It's looking like the American League is going to be the Red Sox and the Astros. It would be a rematch of the 2017 ALCS. I think the National League would have an advantage over the American League because I'm not sold on their pitching. A lot of these games are just offensive putouts, offensive showdowns. And so the baseball playoffs is really looking to be compelling and exciting this time of the year. Now moving on to Monday Night Football because we did have a Monday Night Football game which I guarantee you probably got more ratings than baseball because everybody loves football. It's the Lamar Jackson show. Not only did he get 50 points on fantasy for a lot of people, I had him benched because I started Josh Allen. Lamar Jackson comes back from a 22-3 deficit over the Indianapolis Colts to get that win last night. It was incredible that Lamar Jackson's able to do this The talk about Lamar Jackson was that he plays very well with a lead. Can he come from behind to get a victory? And he did just that, 30-25 to in overtime. What was crazy was Indianapolis got a field goal blocked, and then they had the chance to win the game, and Rodrigo Blankenship missed a field goal. And despite the effort, Carson Wentz did play good. 25-35, 402 yards and two touchdowns. But Lamar Jackson was better. 37 of 43, 442 yards and four touchdowns. He was also the Ravens' leading rusher. Lamar Jackson is back into consideration as MVP. I know that Kyler Murray is the favorite in the beginning of the season to win MVP. But Lamar Jackson, who won the MVP already, he's clearly the most electric, dynamic NFL player out there. And that AFC is stacked because the Ravens are now one of the Super Bowl favorites. I don't know why people were writing the Ravens off after losing that first game to the Raiders. This is a great team. And despite their injuries to running back, despite their injuries on defense, they are a well-coached team by John Harbaugh, and they're able to utilize their best weapon. Lamar Jackson can pass the ball if he needs to. He is the most dynamic player in the NFL. And I mean more than Russell Wilson, more than Kyler Murray, more than Patrick Mahomes, more than Justin Herbert. The AFC is going to get exciting. Better get ready for it because next week we have the Los Angeles Chargers going into Baltimore to take on the Ravens. I cannot wait for this because Justin Herbert is the next 
NFL superstar quarterback, and he's going up against Lamar Jackson. That is captivating. That is captivating, compelling TV that you don't want to miss. And I am so thankful I have the NFL Red Zone channel. Now switching gears because this is a very sad, tragic story about one Las Vegas Raiders head coach John Gruden who resigned yesterday. This actually was the biggest news story because of some emails he sent 10 years ago. Now, John Gruden, he had the big contract, a 10-year, $100 million contract to leave the broadcasting booth for Monday Night Football to go coach the Las Vegas Raiders. He's a star at coach. He is a big splash, but not really much of a quarterback developer. He's not really much of a great, awesome head coach that has his record proves that he's a great head coach. He won a Super Bowl with Tony Dungy's players. Yes, he turned around the Raiders in the late 90s and got that team to reach the Super Bowl eventually when he left for the Buccaneers. But since then, he hasn't really done anything. And so this is not a big loss for the Raiders. And I don't know if John Gruden is going to ever have an opportunity to coach again in this league or even get back into the broadcasting booth. He dug his own grave and it's just a tragic story and I wish him well and I know that the NFL does believe in second chances, but not really. We're living in an era and an age where that stuff is not tolerated. We had so many college football games, high school football games in the NFL, that it is hard to just run down every single one of them. Yesterday's show was probably the longest show I've done in years, even longer than some of the shows that I've had with guests, because I had to cover just about everything. But we do have a college football game tonight. I love the fact that we can have college football on a Tuesday night. Appalachian State taking on Louisiana, the Raging Cajuns in Lafayette, Louisiana. It is going to be exciting. Remember when the Raging Cajuns were ranked to start the season? This is actually a pretty compelling game for a Tuesday night. Then also this Thursday night, you have Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. How's that injury going to plague Tom Brady. I'm sure he's going to be fine. He had a torn MCL all last year, but yeah, he will travel to Philly to take on the Philadelphia Eagles this Thursday night. And then just looking at some of the NFL games, the 49ers and the Falcons, the 49ers and the Falcons both have a bye. But some of the games I'm really looking forward to seeing is the Arizona Cardinals taking on the Cleveland Browns, the Dallas Cowboys taking on the New England Patriots. And then of course that Ravens Chargers game that's the one o'clock game on CBS the Sunday night game is the Seahawks and the Steelers not going to have Russell Wilson for four to eight weeks and the Steelers had a bounce back win over the Denver Broncos and then the Monday night game is the Buffalo Bills taking on the Tennessee Titans which it seems like Buffalo is the best team in the NFL if I were to rank my teams in the NFL no question Buffalo is one right now Is it possible the Dallas Cowboys could be the second best team in the NFL? They have shown that they're the best team in the NFC, right along with the Green Bay Packers, although I think the Packers got lucky in that game against the Bengals. And then the Arizona Cardinals, they're still undefeated, but have they really been tested? Can they obtain this? And then the Los Angeles Rams. So there are some talented teams in the NFL. Unfortunately for me, the 49ers are just plagued with injuries just like they were in 2020 with George Kittle going on the IR. Now Trey Lance is injured and he's going to be out for one to two weeks even though the 49ers have the bye. So everybody's trying to figure out what's going on in this league. 
like I mentioned before, we do have some hockey tonight. And I like hockey. I know that the Thrashers left Atlanta in 2011, but we still have the Columbus River Dragons here. But the hockey season will start with the Pittsburgh Penguins taking on the two-time Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning and the Seattle Kraken taking on the Las Vegas Golden Knights. For the first time in 17 years, ESPN is finally the home for the NHL. And you're also going to have the NHL on TNT, so that's going to be fun. And hockey just needs to be marketed better. As a Sharks fan, I wish that they would market their star players because the Sharks would make the Stanley Cup playoffs just about every year, and they reached the Stanley Cup final in 2016. And nobody was more excited than I was as a San Jose Sharks fan. All right, we do have some big high school football games in the Valley as Carver will travel up to LaGrange to take on Troop County. You don't want to miss that game. That is going to be exciting. And then Central will travel to Dothan as they've already wrapped up Region 2 for 7A with an 8-0 season. Trying to go perfect, they got Dothan, and then they will close their season taking on Oxford at home on the 28th of October as they try to make it back into the state 7A playoffs and make a big run and possibly win a state title. Although Thompson is one of the top teams in 7A, it is going to be just a fantastic finish for the Red Devils of Central. And that is the local team here that we talk about all the time on the show because they have such a passionate fan base in Phoenix City. It's like a college town. I walked into Walmart in Phoenix City and there's Red Devil shirts and merchandise. And it's just incredible. And I am glad that I have the privilege to call Russell County games because the fan base at Russell County is very passionate as well. And I'm looking forward to homecoming this Friday as Russell County at 5-3 and three right now. They will take on the 3-5 and five Tigers from Eufaula. And some of the other games we have, I know that Columbus High School is on the bye. You have a Thursday night game between Spencer and Kendrick. Something's got to give. Spencer's 2-5 and five on the season. Kendrick is 1-6. and six. More than likely, that game will be at A.J. McClung because Spencer and Kendrick, that's where they normally play their home games. Shaw is taking on Hardaway. Now Hardaway's 4 and 2 after losing to Callaway and losing to Troop County in overtime. Hardaway's 4 and 2, 3 and 1 in league play, trying to make the playoffs. They actually have Shaw this week and then on the 28th on a Thursday night they will travel to Carver. Well even though AJ McClung is where Hardaway plays their home games as well, it's a home game for the Carver Tigers which are trying to win the region and make the playoffs. They are one of the top teams in the state of Georgia. That high school football show, I tell you, I really, really get excited about that show because I'm dedicated to the local sports here in the Chattahoochee Valley to include Columbus, Phoenix City, Opelika, LaGrange. And you don't want to miss it. I'm feeling like I want to make a difference in be the best sports announcer I could possibly be. All right, before I close my show, I want to get into some college football because this is compelling stuff. I was listening to the Paul Feinbaum show the day after an Alabama loss, which is captivating radio. You've got passionate Alabama fans. And unfortunately, there was a tragic accident where somebody was killed. There was a dispute between an Alabama and a Texas A&M fan. I think that that is just awful i mean it's just sports and you may be passionate about your team but it is 
life. And when I saw that ESPN 30 for 30, Roll Tide, War Eagle, yes, there's passion on both sides and they hate those teams. But at the end of the day, we're all human beings. And when the tornado hit in 2011, the fact that they were helping each other, it was just a great story. But yes, Alabama does have passionate fans and they do lose. They're going to lose, but how many backdoor national championships have has Alabama won? They've won three. Alabama is not done yet, but Nick Saban has an opportunity to fix that defense. First of all, I think that Pete Bowling needs to go. Uh, he's not a big splash on a defensive coordinator. I know Nick Saban runs that defense. They got to go get a big hire. I think they got to get a very well-known defensive coordinator that might have been a defensive coordinator in the NFL. Go get Steve Spagnola because I think he's going to get fired as the Kansas City Chiefs defensive coordinator. Get a brand name. Get somebody well-known. Really, I thought that they were going to go after Dan Quinn when he got fired by the Atlanta Falcons. Dan Quinn's doing a great job as the defensive coordinator for the Cowboys. But you got to get somebody to change the culture on that defense. They do have a lot of talent, but they don't have the defensive line that scares people like they did five years ago with guys like Reuben Foster, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. Remember Mount Cody? I mean, Alabama used to just terrorize people on the defensive line. When you're losing at the line of scrimmage to Texas A&M, that is not a good sign. Yes, the Alabama defense is going to get better, and that worries me because I think Alabama is the one team that could beat Georgia. Situationally, Alabama has the players to match Georgia and they have the quarterback to get it done. And if Georgia does have a weakness, the fact they don't have a wide receiver that can separate and Alabama's corners can get the job done. But I also think if Georgia matches up with Alabama, they match up very well because I watched all three games that Kirby Smart has coached against Nick Saban. Let's start with the national championship game. Georgia has a 20-7 lead with the ball. Jake Fromm throws a costly interception. Rickwan Davis runs it back. Alabama eventually wins the game in overtime, 26-23. Heartbreaking, the second and 26. But remember, Alabama missed a field goal that would have ended the game. Rather, it sent it into overtime. Game number two, the following year, the SEC championship game. Georgia's got the lead, 28-14. And they're in position to kick a field goal to put it up 31-14. Unfortunately, Rodrigo Blankenship misses the kick. And in comes Jalen Hurts after an injured Tua Tagovailova. And Alabama wins. We all remember the fake punt, Justin Fields. Alabama wins that game 35-28. Game number three, a regular season game last year in Tuscaloosa. Georgia has a 24-17 lead on Alabama. And Georgia allows Alabama to get into field goal range and to kick the field goal at halftime, and the score is 24-20. to Georgia has the ball to start the second half. They have an opportunity to have a double-digit lead on Alabama. They get into Alabama territory, and they stall, like they pretty much always do. And Alabama gets pinned back, but Jalen Waddell with the 90-yard Alabama with the 90-yard reception, and... Stetson Bennett could not overcome those turnovers, and Alabama won the game 41-24. I feel that Georgia matches up well with Alabama. These two teams match up well together. 
All the Alabama haters are saying, well, Alabama's going to lose to Mississippi State next week. Or Alabama's going to lose to Auburn in the Iron Bowl. Alabama right now is the most dangerous team in college football. You do not want to play a Nick Saban mad team that is going to get up off the canvas and blow everybody out. And I strongly believe that. As a passionate college football fan, I feel that Alabama is a wounded animal that's going to run all over the rest of the SEC. And if they make it into the SEC championship game, that's not a team that Georgia wants to play. However, the betting odds now have Georgia as the odds on favorite to win the national championship. So if you are a Georgia fan, you got to feel confident that this team is on a mission, that they have that historic defense and they have an offense that's good enough to win games. The big question is, is JT Daniels going to be the quarterback that's going to lead the Bulldogs to win their first ever national championship since 1980? Time will tell, and I am looking forward to this college football season. Well, that's all the time I have on the show. I want to thank all my listeners that downloaded and subscribed to my podcast. And don't forget to like and subscribe to my Facebook channel. And I'm going to be back on the air tomorrow previewing recapping the baseball playoffs hopefully i'm not up till one o'clock in the morning like i was last night but it's gonna be fun because i'm looking forward to these baseball playoffs all right everybody take care have a good day you've been listening to the sports beat with richard holdry we invite you to download and subscribe you can find us on anchor spotify google cast Stitcher, iTunes, or wherever fine podcasts are found. Thanks for listening. Feel free to share with your friends and family. This has been the Sports Beat, with your host, Richard Holdry. Produced in Columbus, Georgia. Extra production provided by J.D. Matthews. All opinions stated herein are those of the host and do not represent the opinions of Anchor Podcasts. Copyright 2020, all rights reserved.